Well, it's that time of the weekend, and it's my favorite time of the week because it's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond, episode number 658 for October 24th, 2020, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchats with Programming by Stealth, installment 104. What are we going to do today, Bart? We are going to track some changes with Git. We're going to get very practical Yay. here. Sort of like the point of the whole thing, huh? Yes. I mean, there are many more points to come, but tracking change is pretty high up on the list of important <laughs> things to learn. Yeah, definitely. Basically um, what it does. Yeah. I mean, we still have branching and some other cool features to come, but yeah, being able to commit changes is kind of important. So we're going to work our way through a very silly little dummy project, and we're just going to make some changes and track them. Okie dokie. Now, do I need any of my resources that I created last week? Or are we starting afresh? We are starting afresh. So there will be okay. a zip file for this installment, wonderfully named pbs104.zip. Um, and if you extract that, you'll find a few folders inside. You'll find four of them, in fact. Uh, and for now, what I would like you to do is to find the one named pbs104a and copy it to some folder you like. And then so, change into that folder. Uh, let me... Let me interrupt you for just a second. No, this might just be a problem for me, but where would one go get that said PBS It's linked in the show notes that aren't written yet. Right, which means Allison doesn't have it. Allison would find it in the Git repository in the folder... Uh, installment zips? Installment resources. Okay. It's the a zip, but it's not turned. in there. There it is. Okay, I'm getting there. Okay. I am with you. Okay, so I shouldn't change it. I should just look at it, right? Well, yeah, I was going to say... Should I make a copy of it? Take a copy of the folder PBS104A, put it in, you know, tilde slash temp or wherever you, wherever you play with, wherever your folder is you play in. Delete me. Delete me. That, that, oh, no, name. I can't put it there. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, yes, I can't. No, I've got Hazel scripts that run on everything, so things start flying around <laughs> if they're the wrong age and that kind of thing. No, I'm good. Okay, good. Allison is caught up. Everyone else use the zip file in the show notes that aren't written yet. Yes. Perfect. Um, and so copy that folder, put it somewhere. I, I, I'm very boring. I am documents temp is where my temp stuff goes. And I have my time machine set never to back up documents temp. Um, so I can do big files in there. Anyway, if... Okay, so we're now just going to quickly use our knowledge from last week to turn this into a Git repository. So Git in it. And a little bit of terminal showing off going on here on my part. But for now, the second command here, or the third, is a copy and paste jobby. Basically, it will change the default branch to main if it's currently master. In other words, some of our listeners will have older versions of Git where the default is master. And some of our listeners will have newer versions of Git where the default is main. So this way, everyone can run this command and it will do nothing for the people who have no who are already on main and it will change it for those of us who are on master. Okay, so um, I'm pretending that I'm not reading. So there's a big long command that we're just going to copy and paste. Is that we're what just, you're saying? I am saying to just copy and paste it. And I'm telling you that what it does is it only changes the branch to main if it needs to. Okay, so there's a word wrap. I'm going to guess we're going to go from the uh, git symbolic dash ref all the way down to the word main. Yes. Okay. All right. I have entered that. So I, I cd'd first into pbs104a, then I did this git init, and now I'm mm -hmm. going to put this command in here. Yes. So what we've done is the git init has started the repo and not added anything into staging yet. 
And then this command is renaming the branch if needed before we add any content. Okay, and now we're so gonna, we're all on the word main. We're all on main. So now we're guaranteed that all of our listeners are on the branch main and there's no one on the old troublesome master. Great. So the next thing to do is this folder is not empty, right? I gave you some files. So we want those into our repository. So we just say git add dot, which is terminal speak for the current directory. And that so will- what... That's going to add anything else that's in the directory that I'm sitting in? That's going to add anything in the directory we're sitting in, yes. Because remember, it's an empty repository, so there's nothing, there's no commits and there's nothing in staging. So we're now going to stage everything in the current folder. Okay, so to my brain's a little twisted here. We're in a folder, but the folder is not the repo. The repo is is this hidden file. No, no, the folder is the repo. The hidden file is where the folder's database is. Sorry, the So we're adding it to the database. No, we're staging it first. We're putting it in the index. Remember, you have the database's permanent stuff. The working copy is what you see in the file system. And the index is this halfway house we use to control the flow from the working copy into the database. Right. But I'm, I'm in a folder and a yes. directory. Yes, and it that has directory. stuff in it. Yes. But that stuff is not in Git yet. Even that though it's stuff in the is your working you- copy. <laughs> so in git speak it's your working copy right the stuff that's already there before i hit type git add dot correct so that is my working copy but i haven't staged it yet correct there we go there we go okay i caught up so git add dot now i'm going to i'm staging everything that's in there correct and then we have a git commit minus m initial version i would imagine that's quite self-explanatory i think so your your confidence in my memory from two weeks ago is is um, legendary. <laughs> okay, so I did a commit git commit. What does the dash m mean again? It's the message. Oh, okay. So, so basically, right. a description of the commit, which is in this case just initial version. Okay. So if this were taming the terminal rather than programming by stealth, I will go into great detail on that middle command um, with the two ampersands and all the fun stuff. Um, but we're not on taming the terminal. But I will say, if you wanna, if you wanna understand that command, there's three links in the show notes because that command uses three very cool terminal tricks. It uses something called the POSIX test command, which is actually the square bracket. It uses a handy command called git symbolic ref, which you can find out about by going man git dash symbolic dash ref, and it uses a wonderful feature of the terminal called lazy evaluation, which is described in the link in the show notes. Okay. So that's extra reading for people who want to go terminal nerd. In this case, really, it's just a, it's a command that makes it safe to run no matter whether our listeners on the old version or the new version. So that's the only reason I'm doing it that way. Because I just want, I don't want to say if you're doing this, copy and paste this, otherwise copy and paste that. No, everyone just copy and paste the one command. It'll take care of itself. So if we're on main already, we're fine. If we're a master, now we're on main. Exactly. And I just have that as a text expander snippet, to be honest. Because different laptops I own and different servers I SSH to are on different versions of Git. (laughs) So for myself, I don't know where I am half the time. Is it uh, dangerous to put that in on a repo that you've got that's got all kinds of stuff going on in it and it's up in GitHub and all that? Uh, Well, it wouldn't do what you think. It would just make a second branch called main and the the branch called master would still exist. You have to do it before your initial commit. Okay. Good. So I won't mess with it. 
yeah, it, it won't achieve what you would like it to achieve. We okay. will get, we will achieve what you would like it to achieve later in this series. Okay. So more hanging tight. Now, our non-Mac users can snooze for a bit because we Mac users have some uh, housekeeping to do because otherwise we're going to have a whole bunch of spurious and confusing output later in this installment. So the Mac is a Unixy Linuxy operating system, so the finder will hide anything for you that starts with a period or a dot. And the Mac also collects a whole bunch of metadata to make stuff like uh, Spotlight work. And it saves that metadata in every folder in a hidden file called .ds underscore store. And pretty much if you're wandering around the file system in the finder, you are going to be scattering .ds underscore score fo- <laughs> DS underscore store files with gay abandon all over the place. Mm-hmm. And when you're using git on the command line and you haven't told git that you don't ever want to version one of these DS store files, git will see them everywhere. And your git status will be full of these spurious files you don't want to see. So we're just going to nip this in the bud by setting a global git config setting. So last week we learned that git can be configured globally, locally, or there was another one I don't remember right now, system. Um, So we're going to do it global, which means our our user account. And we're just going to tell git to ignore all DS store files. Now, this week we're just going to do it shortly, either next time or the time after. I'm actually going to explain the full power of ignoring things in git because somewhat counterintuitively, effective versioning involves sensible ignoring. (laughs) <laughs> I, i'm important. looking forward to that because i created a, f- a folder that i called ignore this and i've got all kinds of garbage i don't want in my repo but i want it yes. there where i can see it and all that gar- i mean i've tried to like wrap like squeeze around it and not let it go up there and eventually it all ends up there so i've got just piles of absolute garbage, garbage and yes. i don't want it up there so I, i'm looking forward to that lesson it's actually really important because a lot of, particularly languages with compilers, you don't actually want to version the compiled stuff. You want to version your source mm. code. So you actually need, like if you have a build folder where stuff is being built, you actually want to ignore your build folder. So anyway, we'll come to that because it is surprisingly important to be able to ignore stuff. But for now, we're just going to go through the motions here so that we can um, safely ignore our DS store files if we're on the Mac. Now. If you are someone who has already been playing around with Git and you're not sure if you already have a global excludes file, there is a command to copy and paste in the show notes that will either echo none in all caps or tell you the path to your current global excludes file. So when I run the command, I now see the file I created earlier when writing these show notes. But when you run it, you'll probably see none shouted at you in all caps. I actually do have a git ignore underscore global. Ah. So okay. I think I think I started poking around trying to figure it out once. It may or may not have reasonable things in it. Um, well, do you want to quickly open it in your favorite text editor and have a look at what's in there? Because we may need to be a little bit careful if it has sensible stuff in there, or we could replace it with a new one if it doesn't. All right, let's see. I'm I'm guessing. Let's see. Oh, how could this have happened? It's got .ds underscore store in it. I would imagine someone on the internet somewhere told you. Oh, it's got data tables. And data, data tables was, is, the, uh, is the plugin, the, the utility I used when we were draw, doing our uh, currency conversion. 
That's how yes. I made that giant wide scrolling table thing. Yes, that was actually a really nice plugin as well. Yeah, so they must have done that for me. So that might... I've also got subscribed to the podcast at HTML in here and a zip file of my clock. <laughs> I have a feeling you may have been experimenting with some stuff you found in GitHub or something. It kind of smells like it, doesn't it? Yeah, so I might are... be inclined to say delete that file and then follow the show notes. <laughs> okay, but that will break my data tables thing, won't it? It shouldn't because this shouldn't need to be ignored. Oh, okay. All right. So, all right, fine. I will I will delete that. You you guys heard it here. Bart said nothing would go wrong. Okay. And if it does, I'll help you fix it. <laughs> so, well, okay, you're now, so you've now gone from being the example of what might happen in the show notes to the other example of what most people I'm expecting to find when they run the command, it should say none. Yeah, and it case, doesn't. So I did rm mm -hmm. space and the path that found the file. And then right after that, I did that git config blah or echo none, and it still came back with a file. Ah, okay, because the config is still saying point at that file. It's just the file doesn't exist. Okay. So you're fine to leave the config as it is. You just need to recreate the file. Okay. All right. So for you, the first of the two commands here, echo the string star star forward slash dot ds underscore score, ugh, ds underscore store. It's so hard to say. Uh, arrow arrow tilde slash dot git ignore underscore global. Right, you copy that command because that's going to recreate uh -huh. the file and it's going to put into the file one line, which is star star forward slash dot ds underscore store. Okay, I don't have to understand any of that. I can tell you in very plain English, ignore all files named dsstore in any folder, no matter how deeply nested it is. So star star means not just anything in this folder, anything in any folder named .ds underscore store. Okay. Uh, the second command then sets up the configuration to point to the file we've just made. In your case, that configuration is already in place and is pointing to the right file. So for you, you're done. You could rerun the command. It won't do any harm because it'll set the setting to what it's currently set to. Okay. Um, well, I but for everyone else, I need to actually set the setting. Okay. And now you can verify that it works by rerunning the git config minus minus global core.exudes file pi, uh, arrow arrow, ugh, pipe pipe echo none. And now it should say your actual home folder path. Which okay. For me, is forward slash users forward slash Bart probably forward slash users forward slash Allison for you? It is. Yeah. So, so all the Linux people can uh, can wake up now. Yes, exactly. So we're <laughs> we're all back in. So this isn't something we have to do every time we want to make a repo. We're done. We're done, right? Because we made it global. If we'd done this locally, we'd have to do it every time. But we're saving it as a global setting, which means it's part of our user account. So as long as you're logging in as Allison, you have this setting. And as long as when I do a clean install, I remember to go get this file. Yes, but it's in your home folder along with all those other dot files that I'm sure are in your massive spreadsheet. But I don't drag my home folder in. I no, but you do look at your do dot that. files, right? Because I've, we've tamed so many terminals, you must look at you. Okay, if you don't look at your dot files, you're now, you're now enough of a nerd that you must look at your dot files. Okay, so <laughs> add... To clean install instructions, and I'll go. Bart, what did I? What did you mean when you told me to go look at the dot files? 
Okay. Well, at the very least, you're going to want your SSH keys as well, right? You're going to want your .SSH folder. You, the chances are, if you do an ls-al on tilde, you're going to see lots of things. You're like, oh, yeah, I want those settings. Oh, I want those settings. Oh, I want those settings. Because in gotcha. Unix land, everything is, you know, dot .something in your home folder is where all your settings go. All right. I have a post-it note that I will transfer to something more reasonable later. You have Good. a reminder to remind yourself to set a permanent reminder. I love it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I've got I've got quite a uh, mind map for that that process. You do. So, uh, yeah. Impressive. I'll add it later. I, I I'm, may, I'm pretty good about keeping that up to date. Okay. Not about me. We've I got our borrow that mind map in a few weeks' time because <laughs> okay. I haven't done a fresh install in quite some time. And this this Mac I'm talking to you from now is desperately in need of a clean install, but it's not getting one until uh, Big Sur is out of beta. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good time to do it. Okay, so now we're ready to actually start. So the whole point today is we, we have a repository. It has an initial state. It's not a very exciting initial state. It contains two files, a readme.md, which you can open and have a quick look at if you like. It's just a little silly message. It says this is a dummy repository. And there's an index.html that does the most cliche thing possible and says, hello world. Right. Shockingly exciting stuff. Um, and for once, the file, eh, which one did I put the typo in? Yeah, readme.md contains a typo that isn't a mistake. I actually put it there so we could make some changes to this repository. Okay. So readme.md says example is installment instead of example in installment. Okay. So I'd like you to open that file in your favorite text editor, fix the typo save it, and then do a git status. All right. And Oops. what you should see is that you have one unstaged change now, modified readme.md. Okay, hang on. I did, okay, now I got to git, stat, git status. Mm-hmm. Look at that, I got one change, modified readme.md. There we go. And again, git is being helpful in telling us what we need to do. So last time we learned to add a whole new file into staging, we use git add. Well, it turns out that you add into staging with git add, even if it isn't a whole new file. So it's actually the same command. Hmm. So to stage readme.md, we just say git add readme.md. And I okay. get that's a bit counterintuitive. But you're adding to staging, not adding to, to the repository. So it, it, there's logic to it in a very Linux nerd sort of way. Well, that is what we did right up front. We had that right. file there, and we but added it to staging. there were new files, right? There were new files that didn't exist in the repository at all. They yeah. only existed in our working copy. Now, this file is in the repository, and we add it again. But again, we're adding it to staging, so there is logic to it, even though I personally think it doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay. It sounded fine to me until you told me to be oh. confused, but I refuse to be confused. It makes perfect sense. Good, good. You're one step ahead of me. <laughs> okay. So now we've staged the file. So if we do a git status again, we should see it says changes to be committed, modified right. readme.md. Okay. So just like we did last week, we should now commit our change. So we say git commit minus m fixed silly typo in readme. <laughs> and we hit enter. Okay. So we have now committed a very simple change. Good for us. So it's not really necessary to say which file it was fixed in if you're just submitting that file, right? Sure. 
But if you're reading them on a big long list, rather than opening each commit to have a look inside and see what actually changed, I <sighs> often find that helpful. I mean, you notice I didn't use the file name. I just used a sort of an Englishy name, readme. Okay. I'll so they're, they're notes that. to me, but you're right. I don't have to be too specific because the metadata knows what actually changed. Right, right. And that metadata is available to us both on the command line uh, or through our GUIs. And it's easier to get in the GUIs, obviously. Okay. So that was a very simple change, right? I made one, one change to one file and I committed it. But in reality, we tend to make more, more substantial changes to our Wii projects. Um, so let's, let's do something a bit more substantial and let's take our silly Hello World file and make it into a slightly less silly bootstrap version of Hello World so it looks a bit prettier. Mm-hmm. So this involves adding some extra files. So we're going to add a folder called Contrib, which is going to contain bootstrap CSS and license file. And we're going to edit our index.html so it actually uses the bootstrap CSS file we just added. So I think play- you might have skipped a step. I think we have to switch folders and start doing something else, don't we? No, we haven't skipped the step. We're coming to the step I'm about to describe. Okay, because we can't add the thing you said we add because it's not there. Right, so I would like you to open the folder pbs104a-v2 in a separate finder window and copy its content over the stuff in the repo at the moment. So another index.html and the contrib folder? Copy the contrib folder and replace the index. Okay. Or you can make all the edits manually. No, that's too scary. I'm going yeah, to... too much effort. <laughs> I, didn't want, I didn't want to describe that in the show notes. Go to line four and type this, and then go to line dead. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so an item named index, replace. All replace. Right. So now, okay. when you do a git status, you should see that there is a modified file, which is index.html, and there are untracked files, which is the contrib folder. Okay. And it says contrib slash. Is that its way of saying this is a folder? Correct. If it was a plain file, it wouldn't have the trailing slash. Okay. Um, So the first thing we have to do is we need to stage that new contrib folder. So we can say git add contrib. Okay. Okay. Now, if we do a git status, we should see that uh, what we now have is, we still have index.html to capture, but uh, before we stage it, you don't know what I've changed yet, right? Mm -mm. So let's let's use the git diff command to have a look at my changes. So to see what is different between what is currently sitting there and what is last committed, you just say git space diff space name of file, and that will compare what's in the working copy to the last commit. Now, if you're on a Linuxy Unixy terminal, by default, git will open the changes in a so-called pager, which is basically less or more if you're in Linux or Unix or Mac land. So you're not going to just barf it out to the terminal and go back to your terminal. You're going to find yourself in an interface where you can use the up and down arrows to move up and down, and you hit Q to get back out. So okay. like you're viewing a man page, say. Same same idea, so you're using a pager. So if you say git space diff space index.html, you will see the changes, and you can use the up and down arrows to move around, and if you want to get out, you just hit Q. 
what did I do wrong? I wrote it and it's just, it spit it out and took me back to the, to the command, uh, to the command prompt. Then you may have a git setting set globally that is controlling the default behavior because by default, you should only get that behavior when you give the flag minus minus no pager. Hmm. Which is also in the show notes. So last time when you did a git config and I got you to show all your git config, there was lots of stuff in there, wasn't there? Nah, I think so. So something has configured git for you and it would appear to have configured it in such a way that you don't use a pager by default. Hmm. Not sure that's a problem. It just means you scroll up the terminal instead of being inside a less style interface. Okay, so, but I, okay. You'll see the but same I content. Keep, I can, yeah, I am seeing the same content. I just didn't... Thought I did something wrong. No, okay. no, it sounds like you, you, your gate is not quite a green field site. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, it's fine. Um, uh, for our listeners who Blame prefer... Who's, uh, <laughs> yes, that's it. It's Helma's fault. Um, for our listeners who prefer what Alison has, you can actually get there by going git space minus minus no dash pager diff index.html. And in fact, there's lots of git commands that use a pager by default. So that minus minus no minus pager is actually a flag for git, not a flag for diff, which is why it goes between git and diff. Oh, oh, okay. Because it's a global option that applies to all git subcommands. Right. Whereas if, if an option applies only to the specific subcommand, it goes after the subcommand. And we'll see before this installment is out, another command that defaults to using a pager. So we'll have git minus minus no pager and then a different command later in the show. Okay. So the format of these diffs is either intuitive to you or confusing to you. Take your pick. Um, <laughs> plus symbol means new, or it means added or the changed version of something, and minus means deleted or the old version of something that's been replaced with a new version of something. And if it has nothing, that means... It's what? context around the change to help you place it. Oh, okay. So both of the files apparently had a head and mm-hmm. uh, and a body, uh, but this is put. But a bunch of stuff got in between there. It had a it had a title, but a bunch yes. of stuff got put in between, and some stuff got removed. Correct. So yeah. So exactly. So the lines without prefixes are there to help you place the lines okay. with prefix in context. That's actually pretty well done, considering I'm looking at a command line and things are bold and not bold, and it's it's pretty viewable. I'm I'm looking at this in the homebrew uh, theme of terminal, mm-hmm. so what you're seeing may be different. Colors might be different. The colors might be different, but it will be colored, if if okay. at all possible. Git the Git command uses a colored terminal if your operating system supports it, and it will be bold and unbold. It will be bold and unbold, uh, but your theme will alter the color. So if you have a white background, you'll see the color the developer wrote. And if you have any other color background, you'll you'll see that color subtracted from your background color. Okay. Okay. Um, But But that kind of makes it stand out. So what I'm seeing using the homebrew theme is uh, bright green for the stuff that didn't change at all. And then uh, a faded green with the pluses next to it of the new stuff. And then in red, the stuff that was removed has got the, the minus sign in front of it. So that, that stands out pretty well. It does. Uh, for a, a white background terminal, it's, uh, norm- it's normal green for new, normal red for old, and black for no change. Okay. But anyway, the point being, it, yeah. it is pretty well done. And this is also the point where I say, to be honest, most Git users 
don't use the terminal for this bit. This is kind of the bit where GUIs really win. Because, <laughs> you know, graphically showing you these changes is, is much better than doing this on the terminal. But if your SSH to a server where you're using Git to manage some config files and one of your colleagues has changed the config and broken the service, Git diff is still very much your friend. <laughs> so it is good to know how to do it. I'm, I'm, I may, I, I'm not being particularly hypothetical there, to be honest, because it's too late at night <laughs> to be creative. Um, so yes, I do find myself using it on servers because I use Git to version config files on servers. And when a service was working yesterday and isn't working today, a Git diff can be quite helpful. And sometimes maybe you did it to yourself even, right? Oh, yeah. If I read the commit, it's me. It's like, sugar. <laughs> but anyway, at least I know. And at least I can roll it back, which is all good. Point of version control, right? Right, right. Uh, Git diff can actually do an awful lot more than what we've just done with it here. But rather than bamboozle people, I will simply say, if you want to read everything else Git diff can do, you'll find it as man git dash diff, or there's a link in the show notes to the official Git documentation, which actually isn't too bad. Hmm. So, okay. you know, it's no harm actually to, to bookmark git dash scm.com. That is the official docs and they're decent. Okay. So having looked at our changes, let's go ahead and actually stage those changes and then commit. So git add index.html, git commit minus m moved from plain HTML to bootstrap. That I think is a sensible description of what we did there. Okay. I'm not, I'm not lost yet. Okay. So, so far we've been very sensible. We made one change, we staged it, and we committed it. And then we made a second logical change, which happened to involve multiple files, but it's still one logical change. We staged it and we committed it. So, so far, we've been really good about this repository. In the real world, what tends to happen to me a lot is I charge ahead and do about five things. Because I was trying to do one task and I spotted a typo. Oh, I'll fix that while I'm here. Oh, actually, that if statement could be way more efficient. Oh, I'll fix that while I'm here. Oh, I should really write a function to do black hole feature. I'll write that while I'm here. And before you know it, two hours have passed and I haven't committed a darn thing. And I could just commit it all with a silly message like it did some stuff. But really, as, as Helma has so well taught us, this it's not good to do that. So... There will be many times in the real world where your working copy contains many logical changes, and what you actually want to do is use the power of the staging area to transition those that working copy into multiple commits. One commit for each logical piece of change, even if okay. that logical piece of change involves multiple files. And that's why Git is so much better than what came before. Subversion didn't have a staging area. So once you'd made all those changes, you either threw them all in the bin or you committed them all. That was it. They were your two choices. Whereas so you either this... had personal discipline, which you didn't. But you don't, right? <laughs> I promise you I never had that. <laughs> didn't grow it at any point. No. Or you do kludgy workarounds, like copying and pasting them into a separate file and hoping you remember how to put it all back together again. It, it yeah. was a disaster. So the staging area is like a lobby that lets you really control the flow from the working copy into the commits. So there's two ways this can happen. One way is that you conveniently manage to edit, manage to have your changes in such a way that one logical change is in one file and the other logical change is in the other file and that never the twain met. So we'll start with that simple case, which is 
rarely what actually happens in the real world to me. But let that start easy before we go complicated. Because complicated is I edited the one file for four reasons. And I want to take the changes in the one file into four commits. And you can do that, and we will do that before we end this segment. But let's let's start where I've made two changes, but they're in two separate files. So okay. to play along at home, I'd like you to open the folder pbs104av3 in the zip file and replace index.html and readme.md in your repository with the copies you find in there. Okay. And then I'd like you to run a git status, and you should see we have two changed files, which are readme yes. and index. Mm -hmm. So these two files contain two logical changes. So the first thing I did was I updated the HTML file to add a link to explain what hello world is. <laughs> and the second thing I did was I updated the readme file to put the licensing information for Bootstrap in because I'm a good netizen. Okay. So let's first commit my licensing change. So git add readme.md, git commit minus m added Bootstrap licensing info to readme. So now when we do a git status, we only have one change left, index.html. Right. So now we can say git add index.html, so we've now staged that, and then we can say git commit minus m added link to wiki Wikipedia article on hello world meme. And so now yes. we have very sensibly used the staging area to control the flow of changes from the working copy into two commits instead of one commit. Okay. Not rocket science, but, you know, well-managed way we've got The main idea is to have two separate commit messages, right? To tell yourself what you did and, and one thing to look at of what had changed. Yeah, so whenever you make a logical change, it should be one commit. And that logical change can spread across 50 files, but it's one piece of logical oh, work. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, right? so like if you change the name of a variable across three files or, or something yes. like that, you would do it in one commit? Correct, oh, because that is okay. a that is an atomic change, if you get what I mean. Like in, yeah. in terms yeah. of logic, it's one thing, even though in terms of files, it's five or six things. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so now let's look at the other example where I've gotten a bit carried away with myself. So again, if we open up our zip file and we find pbs104av4, just one file this time, index.html, and if we splat that across the index file currently in our repository, we will now have an example of what I do so often in the real world. I made two changes to the one file that have nothing to do with each other, right? And I need to split them apart. So the first thing I did was I reworked the structure of the page to make it semantically correct. So everything was in a main tag before, and now we have a header tag that contains our header, and we have a main tag that contains our main content. And we, did I add the footer tag? I think I did add the footer tag. Um, yeah, I see 1999 maple. Uh, yeah, okay, so footer? that's the second logical change. Oh, sorry. So the next thing I did is I decided to add some examples of all the different hello worlds in the order I met them in my programming world. <laughs> so basically it's Bart's history of programming in hello world. So, you know, we can nerd out for a moment if you like. On the fact you know we want to, don't you? You kind of do, yeah. Oops. <laughs> so the first, the, the, the first language I learned, I, my, my introduction to programming was Java. And what you will notice is Java doesn't believe in being concise. That's 
one of the longest Hello Worlds, public class Hello World, public static void main string, arg, system.out.println. Every time you want to print something in Java, system.out.println. I hated it. <laughs> and I hadn't got text expander yet. So I oh. genuinely had to type system.out.println. So much so that as a tutor, I would write on the whiteboard SOP and just told my <laughs> students, expand it mentally. Okay. So they had a mental text expander. Uh, JavaScript then in the early days was document.write. So there we go. And then I learned C++ before I learned C. Because I didn't. I learned C++ in 98 and C doesn't march onto the scene until 2001. <laughs> huh. Which is interesting. Uh, anyway, good old C out or cout for outputting stuff. Um, I decided to put C- SQL in there as well. So select hello world. Um, Maple, the wonderful math programming language. Just hello world and strings oh. with a semicolon. I loved hmm. Maple. Maple rocked. Never heard of that one. It's like Pascal, only you can do graphs and things. Oh. So you can actually tell it to plot like, you know, a, 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 some sort of curve and it will just plop it right there for you. And you can do matrix math right there. I actually did learn Pascal. Ah, well, then the syntax, the colon equals and stuff would, would all be right at home for you. <laughs> I never learned Pascal, but I sort of kind of half know it because I know Maple. It was actually Mac. It was Mac Pascal. And mm-hmm. I remember I'd been working on a uh, on a PC this long before Windows, trying to diagnose this Pascal program, and I got Mas- Mac Pascal, and it drew a bug next to the bug that I'd been searching for, and I was like, "Well, Macs are better." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> clever of it. Yeah. Uh, PHP's in there as well, in the in the the bad old way of doing PHP angle bracket question mark PHP echo hello world question mark angle bracket. Good old fashioned Perl print hello world. Nice and simple. Oh. Then the world's dumbest programming language, Lisp. Bracket format T, hello, comma, world, percent, <laughs> tilde, bracket, bracket. <laughs> God, Lisp is evil. Ew. And then I finally learned C, good old printf. Um, and then no.js is the most recent edition. And I almost, right, that this, this list is missing uh, x86 assembler, but it was about 10 lines long to do hello world in x86 assembler. And I'll be <laughs> honest, I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> I thought it would detract quite a bit okay. And the other nerdy thing is The comments are all correct <laughs> so, I was noticing he's got He's got like a hash 1999-PHP But then when he gets down to Lisp It's semicolon 2000-Lisp You are mm-hmm. such a nerd to have spent all this time on Yeah and I, I didn't even have spare time today But I still I thought of it while cycling And I just, just typed it up quickly when I got home <laughs> <laughs> I like it so anyway, I made two changes. I put the semantics of the page right, mm-hmm. and I um, added this fun little bit of Bart's programming history. So that means that I really should commit those as two separate things. So how oh, do we okay. do that? Because they're in one file. How do I disentangle my changes? Well, git diff will show me my changes, and I can see that I have a bunch of changes. But how do I... How do, I, how do I commit only some of them? Or rather, how do I stage only some of them so I can then commit them? Well, the answer is there's a flag called minus minus patch, which you can add to the git add command. And that will give you an interactive way of choosing which pieces of your change, which git refers to as hunks. So they're not good looking men, they're pieces of code change. Um, so you're choosing which hunk you want to stage. So, I remember they came up with the word hunk. I thought that was kind of an interesting one. Yeah, it was like they wanted to say chunk, but they can't spell. I don't know. 
Because it's a chunk. And to me, it's a chunk. But no, it's a hunk. Um, so we want to patch index.html. So we say git space add space minus minus patch. And this time, the patch flag belongs to the add command. So it goes after the add. It's not a git thing. It's a git add thing. And then what do we want to patch? We want to patch index.html. So git will offer us the changes at different granularities. And the very first hunk it will offer is all the changes as one big change, right? So when you do this first, it's going to offer you lots and lots of everything there as one big diff. And you can hit Y to accept it all or N to accept none of it. But we want neither of those things. We want to break that big load of change apart. And so we want to split the difference. If you'd excuse the so pun. So I'm... Um pausing and making funny faces to you on video here because I'm not seeing where you actually talked about this particular command, the patch command. I'm not Separately staging it. changes to a single file is the heading. Yes. And then it says git space add space minus minus patch index.html as a one line code snippet. Oh, I was way too far ahead. That's what's wrong. Okay, I've been scrolling. By the way, I also notice I don't just have yes or no. I can Q, A, D, S, or E. You can, and I... You were hoping I would mention it? <laughs> well, you mentioned a way, but uh, I'm not going to focus on them. The, the three okay. I want you to know about are yes, no, and S for split. Ah. So it's offering us too much change in one time. So split, please. So S, enter. And then I will offer okay. you the changes in smaller hunks. I okay, want to say split into four hunks is what I got. Is that right? Perfect. That is exactly the same as what I was hoping you would get. So the first change you will see is the first thing you want to do is 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 fix the is capture the changing of the structure of the page, the semantic tag. So the first one is it's offering us the new um the new header tag. So we want to accept that one. So why enter? So uh, how do I know? Um, I'm having trouble. I've got a lot of colors in my screen. I got purple, red, green, baby blue. I got a lot of colors. I don't know what's what right now. So it says, um, when I said S, it said mm -hmm. split into four hunks. Then it's got some baby blue at at minus 8.6. Yes, that's at, all at. the metadata. So ignore the metadata in the blue, obviously, for you. Okay, and the next up, it comes up in some bold stuff. It's got the link to bootstrap and header body, and that's not changed. Right, so and that's just has, your context. Okay, so, oh, I see what's going on. So now it says uh, minus and then in red main class container, which you got rid of and you added a header instead, class Correct. equals container. And then it's the other half of the showing me what I worked on. So this is just the piece of fixing the semantics. Yeah. Got it. So, so we're now I say that. why. Yeah, so now you say why enter. So we're going to accept that one. And then you're going to be presented with the next change, which is, I think, if memory serves, the giant big glop of stuff. Mm, no. No, okay. Mm. The second one we're offered. Oh, this is, is closing closing the header and get of getting. Of course, it's closing the header. Sorry, closing yes, the main. Of course it is. So yeah, we won't okay. accept that one. So why again? All right, now I've got the giant bot thing of glop, which okay, we don't so just want accepting this time. It, but I, oh, we don't want that. Right, because that's our second change. Right, our first change was the semantic markup. Our second change was my new. Um. Okay. My my description. Okay, of my so history. the first two were really part of the same. In our brain, is part of the same logical change, but they were separate hunks. Correct. So ah. yes, yes, no. Okay, so no. And then the last one's yes again. It should be the footer. Oh, oh, I see, I see. Okay, okay. So all three of those were semantic-ish things. Got Correct. You. Okay. 
All right, so now I've I've committed or no, I've staged, staged. the three hunks, but I haven't done yes. the big hunk yet. Correct. So now if okay. you do a git status, you'll see that the same file is now in two places. It's both staged don't. and unstaged. Okay, that's scary. It is kind of All scary, right. but don't worry. So let's commit what we've done already. So we say git commit minus m correct semantic markup by moving title and lead into header and adding footer. Or okay, copy and paste if, all that. <laughs> let me see if I can find where you are now. Um, I'm not seeing where you are. Got, uh, let's now go ahead and commit the layout changes, colon. And then a code chunk, git commit minus m, correct semantic. Oh, okay. So we skip pat. Okay, got you, got you. Okay. All right. I'm going to copy and paste that rather than everybody wait for me to type that much. Okay. So now we've safely staged our first change of two. And if we run a get status, we'll see that we still have modified index.html because it still has that one remaining change that we haven't committed yet or even staged. It's just sitting there in the working directory. Right. So get status is just telling us what isn't staged. Well, in this right. case it is, right? If it was staged stuff, it would tell us that too. But right now it's saying changes not staged. Oh, because we committed it. Duh. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Correct. All right. So now we can safely commit what's left there because what's left there is only the change that we want now, which is the addition of all my hello worlds. So we don't need a dash pat dash dash patch. No, because it's now we're, we're now down to a simple state. We've we've already cherry picked away. That's the wrong word to use. We've already selectively chosen the ones we wanted separately. So now we're only left with one change. So we don't have to pick again. Okay. I mean, we could, but it would only we could just us... to make sure we didn't forget. Or we could do a git diff to see what's in there. Okay. Well, anyway, in this case, we know that it has the change we want. So we say git add index.html. So we stage it again. Mm-hmm. And then we can say git commit added my history of programming in Hello World programs. Right. So we have now really done some serious versioning on this little dummy project, right? Yeah. And we've done it in very sensible chunks. Even though we've done our editing in some very unorthodox ways, we've managed to stage it as, oh, look at us be very disciplined, right? If you were to look at that commit history, we've been very good boys. We've never done anything silly. But in reality... Boys and girls. Boys and girls, yeah. <laughs> I, I was a boy. Uh, <laughs> but before we wrap up for the day, we're going to focus next week much, much more on actually viewing our history and doing some time travel. Uh, but mm-hmm. let's let's give you a taste of what is to come by, you know, we've done a bunch of stuff today. Let's have a look at it. And we do that with the git log command, which will show us everything we've done. And by default, it will put people in a pager. If you prefer not to be in a pager, it's minus minus no pager. So you, get, you say git space minus minus no pager log. Um, and it will print out all of your commits in reverse chronological order starting at the currently at the head of the currently checked out branch which is main so the first thing you'll see is added my history of programming the second commit you will see is correct semantic markup the third you'll see is added link to wikipedia the fourth you'll see is added bootstrap licensing move from plain html to bootstrap fixed silly typo initial version and i see a big long gloppy number after the word commit did you explain that already Yes, so remember last week that everything is actually saved Oh, that's as, where it's hashed. That's the hash. That is the yeah, hash. Yeah, yeah. That is the unique address of that commit. Okay. I'm so guessing that's going to help us get back to that if we ever needed to get ding, to ding, it. Ding, ding, ding. 
Ah, ding, ding, ding. Or ding, if we ding. wanted to give it a nice name for future reference, we could tag that commit and give it a name version one or something. Oh, that's something or, you haven't taught me yet. In, correct. In or out of class. Helm is sort of kind of, but you see, in GitHub, tags have superpowers, whereas in Git normal not hub tags don't have superpowers. So we need to be a little <laughs> careful with our tagging. Oh, okay. So the other thing, of course, to say is that while you can see it all with a Git log, and hey, presto, here is a log of all of our Git, it's easier to look at in your GUI. <laughs> like, looking at your past history is definitely easier in the GUI. The GUI's really Excel, especially when we start making branches and things, then the GUI's pictographic representation will become really handy. So if you can open this folder in your favorite Git client, you will see that string of commits as a timeline, effectively. And because we haven't done any branching, it's a very straightforward timeline of, of your changes. So by the time people read these show notes, the to-do screenshot from Git Kraken from me and screenshot from SourceTree from Allison will be completed. Um, yeah, but, you know, I don't know how to do what you're telling me to do. So uh, hopefully file you can figure it out. Well, I've so got it, it open in I've got it open in SourceTree, but uh, okay. I, we could do this offline, I guess. Well, no, but, no, but I mean, it, you have it open okay. SourceTree, you should see the list of commits as a line, a vertical line. That's what you're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, I see you, uncommitted changes at the top. I've got my staged files. Um, I can see some housekeeping for Mac users. Oh no, 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 no! You know what I'm looking at? Never mind. You're Never you're mind. in you're in Xcode. I'm looking aren't you? at the show notes for programming myself. That's what I, that's what I'm like. I don't see anything he's talking about. So now I will go into delete me and find PBS 104, PBS 104A, and open that. And hopefully, Sergey would like to have access to your documents folder. Yes, you may do that. And okay. you should and there it is. Very yes. boring. I mean, it's you know, compared to the PBS repo, which has years of history in it, this is kind of a boring <laughs> repo, right? It's just a simple timeline of what six commits or something. Okay, but yeah, I see initial version, fix silly typo, move from plain HTML to Bootstrap. I see all the things we did. Yeah. Okay, that's why I couldn't find it. I was in the wrong yeah. place. So if you can, that'll never screenshot. happen again. <laughs> But right, I mean, it takes time because the, the, the GUI on a Git client is very information dense. Like, yeah. it tells you a lot. And the reason I'm going so slow here is so that piece by piece, that GUI will start to flesh out into meaning. Every single thing on that page has massive meaning and massive importance. And we're just learning them as we go. Yeah, um, this is kind of one of the things I'm enjoying here, looking at SourceTree as I look through these. Um, he talked about reversing a hunk. I can see reverse hunk on each one of these. I could I could back out of any one of these changes. Can, yeah. um, and the, the visual is very similar to what we saw in the, the command line. It shows a minus and in red, it says we got rid of main class equals container and a plus in green and it says yeah. header class equals container where we added it. So it's it's very much the same, but just organized nicely for me. Yeah, and nicer typography. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, that's really what it is, is nicer typography is most of it. Yeah, and, and a all bit of in one encapsulated place without writing commands, right? Exactly, exactly. But yes, there's a very, very strong mapping between when you right-click on something in a GUI and the flags and stuff on the command line. Yeah, yeah. Very I like strong learning the underpinnings the way you're teaching it to us, though. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're doing that. That's very cool. I'm delighted to hear it. And that is literally the point, because everything in that GUI is just doing a command. 
So if you know the commands, the GUI becomes amazingly helpful. And if you don't know the commands, the GUI remains amazingly frustrating. Because you know it has power. It's obvious it has power. But what does it do? <laughs> and if it makes you feel any better, I decided to go off piste in work yesterday. You know, I was like, I'm pretty sure I know what cherry picking is. Oh. I didn't. Oh, I do now. it's not a good thing. Okay, I wondered why you you stopped on that. I guess I better go look it up later. Yeah, well, no, we will cover it because it's really important. But it's something, it's one of the, it's in that 20% of things I hadn't needed before. And I know it is the thing I needed. I just didn't understand it. And rather than reading the manual first, what did I do? Right, I did the mail thing. I just went, oh, go ahead. And I made a complete mess of my repository. And then I figured out how to back out of my mess. But when you look at the graphical representation of my repository, <laughs> it looks like Celtic knotwork. I mean, <laughs> it's all fine in the end, but it's full of reversed changes and stupidity. So there's a permanent record of my recklessness. But anyway, the bottom line, it's all good. And our DNS I... resolvers still work. Oh, good, good. Like you said, it's off, it's often you. I am going to do a, a palate cleanser, Bart. Oh, and uh, this is something I posted in our Slack, which you should be a member of. If you aren't, you just drop everything, go join it. It's at podfeed.com slash Slack. Um, I think I put it in the programming by stealth. Here it is. So um, there's a an open source project called YouTube-DL. And it's a YouTube downloader program. And the RIAA is trying to take the project down from GitHub. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, the RIAA is the the the, the copyright people Recording for Industry Association of America. Right, right, and so this is a according to the EFF, this is a legitimate tool, and it's used legitimately, and there's no reason it should be taken down. So a person named Sebastian Castillo said, um, sent a tweet. It says, "This is not YouTube DL." Please don't fork it and don't send pull requests or create issues. Don't click this link. <laughs> to which, of course, I forked, forked, forked the it. So there basically, we go, another it's, copy. it's called not-youtube-dl, and it is just getting replicated across everywhere. So there's there's no way they can stop it. This is just a way of showing them that no, you don't you don't understand what we can do collectively. You don't understand so. open source, and you don't understand the Streisand effect, and you don't understand what distributed source control means. Exactly. So this is perfect. And by the way, I, I got to give Franco Carroll a shout out. He's going to love that because I'm reading this real time. He, I, I posted this, like I said, in Slack, and he wrote, another reason to tune into the PBS miniseries about Git. Yes. Yes, it is. Now, and remember, is we talked about distributed version control. So you have in your repository, in your GitHub account, a full and complete copy of the entire history of that project. Yeah, I do. But I like that Frank did that. So we're now in a full circle, right? <laughs> Indeed. Well, our journey next time will continue. So we have created a repository. We've learned how to create versions of our files and track our changes. And the next thing to do is to start actually exploring that tie, that history, to start exploring that line of commits and going back in time. Mm. And we go back in time in two ways. We can go back and compare what we have now to any point in the past. So not only what did I change between these two commits, but what have I changed since five weeks ago? Oh. Compare my working copy to a commit four commits back. Diff can do okay. that for us, which is actually quite useful because then you can see everything that's changed since the last time you knew it was working. 
Let's say that you knew everything was fine on July 1st and you made 500 changes and it's now September 10th and it's broken. Well, what did I change in this file in all of those commits? Well, you can just git diff against that specific point in history and then you can see only what's changed in that file in that time. Or you can simply say, give me the entire universe as it was on September 1st and just literally go back in time and see everything exactly as it was then. Hmm. So that's where we're going next time. We're putting on our time traveling hat. Um, And uh, and until then... We're staying in the command line? uh, Yes, but again, like now, pop open the GUI anytime and you'll see everything we're doing mirrored in the GUI. Very cool. All right. Well, this was fun, Bart. Excellent. And as always, until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.